0: Amen. Thank you, Ty, brother, for leading us in that. Uh, Yes, make yourself uh, at home again as uh, our children, or some of our children, step outside. Thank you all for being with us today. Thank you for our guests again. Uh, I want to take you through a couple Bible passages today. Uh, The first one's in Jeremiah 29, Jeremiah 29. Uh, I'll read verse 4 through 14 in just a little bit. Uh, First off, uh, y'all have heard earlier today and in the last two weeks, we're starting off this year a series on prayer. Uh, Our first week we focused on Bellwether Community Church. Last week we focused on broken relationships. Today is a specific focus on neighbors. I always say this, God calls us to neighbors and nations So today, to our neighbors in this city, praying for Metro Jackson. So whether you live in Jackson proper uh, or outside Jackson, uh, you know we initially started this church. We said we wanted a metro church that was diverse in this metro area, and God has uh, surely grown that. And then next week we will close with uh, a specific focus on nations. So thank you all for praying. And I want to do. I want to take a kind of a different tact in this message, because, you know, you say prayers for Metro Jackson, uh, it's not, it's not going to be as specific to Jackson, uh, talking about, I love that, the the potholes or the bullet holes and the Jesus holes, I love that, that's going to be used a lot, okay, brother? Uh, We steal all the time, we we preachers, so anyway, but, so it's not not like political or social, it's going to be biblical, okay, Uh, hopefully, like, uh, Lord willing, they all are. But, you know, what does God uh, show us, reveal to us, tell us to do uh, for our city through Scripture? Obviously, Jackson, Mississippi is not listed in the Bible, but a lot of cities are. And and God's Word speaks to us uh, then and now. And I say that under, here's a word I like, under the auspices, which is kind of like the umbrella, that I believe local churches... Should, should help, should really be the, the primary uh, beacon uh, to further the flourishing of all cities. And they can do that in two ways. Uh, one of which is to equip the people of that local church through their, their gifts and their giftedness, uh, whether that's informal ministry or in the community uh, as physicians or businessmen or artists or politicians, uh, to go out and live their faith. And also through the partnering with other churches and ministries, as you've seen a brief vision of that today, I think if doing those two things, churches should further uh, not just the kingdom but the flourishing of the city. That's why uh, you know I believe in churches. I believe in planting churches. I believe all cities should have uh, as many churches as possible. And so sometimes we can sometimes we can do one better than the other. Sometimes we can equip our people to go and live out their faith. Uh, I think a lot of churches in Jackson do that pretty well. And sometimes uh, we can partner, and sometimes I think we may fail in our efforts to partner with other churches and ministries and be like little silos that are scattered around. So my hope and prayer, and hopefully a small example today, is equipping our people... And also showing how we can partner more and more for the for furthering of his kingdom and the flourishing of the city. And I do believe that is what God wants uh, in every city. And some of you say, well, man, we got so many churches and look at Jackson. Well, you could say that or you could say maybe all these churches are saving Jackson. <laughs> and it could be a lot, lot worse. Who knows? Depends on your take. Anyway, so Jeremiah 29, I want to uh, start asking three questions. Three questions. one. Have you ever been in a place where you did not want to be? Have you ever been in a place where you did not want to be? You can use your imagination from there. Second question, how does the church, capital C church, which would include local churches and the kingdom, grow? How does that happen? So the church would include this church. So local churches and the kingdom grow. And then third question, what can we do now? What can we do now? I want to focus the Bible passages around those questions. The first question, diving in, is have you ever been in a place that you did not want to be? Ever been in a place you did not want to be? Again, use your imaginations. I don't know. Uh, house. I could have multiple illustrations over the last nine months of that, but I will save you. Um, neighborhood, city, place, maybe personal life. I don't know. Have you ever been in any place, spiritually, personally physically that you didn't want to be so we look to jeremiah 29 and i'm going to read verse 4 through 14 okay this is what the lord of armies the god of israel says to all the exiles i deported from jerusalem to babylon build houses and live in them plant gardens and eat their produce find wives for yourselves and have sons and daughters Find wives for your sons and give your daughters to men in marriage so that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there, do not decrease. Pursue the well-being of the city I have deported you to. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for when it thrives, you will thrive. For this is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says. Don't let your prophets who are among you and your diviners deceive you, and don't listen to the dreams you elicit from them. For they are prophesying falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them. This is the Lord's declaration. For this is what the Lord says. When 70 years for Babylon are complete, I will attend to you and will confirm my promise concerning you to restore you to this place. For I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. You will call to me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you. This is the Lord's declaration. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and places where I banished you. This is the Lord's declaration. I will restore you to the place from which I deported you. A lot of us love verse 11. Jeremiah 29, 11. It's famous. For I know the plans I have for you, not for, my translation says, for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and hope. That's off-quoted. Often, though, we don't know the context of the verse. And I ask that question, if you're listening to me, have you ever been in a place that you did not want to be? Because that is the context here. You had all these people who are God's people, so Chosen, uh, Israelites, and if you know a little history, they were deported. Uh, They were in captivity, taken to Babylon. So away from their homeland, different place, different culture, different religions, uh, very uncomfortable, uh, probably persecuted to a degree. So the bottom line is they did not want to be there. And also they were there for like, Quite a long time. Uh, Years, not just years, generations. And what does God tell them to do? If you read that, it's very practical stuff. Build houses. Uh, Marry, have children. Increase the well-being of the city, because when it flourishes, you will flourish. Context then for us now. And I don't know where you feel called. I've talked to a lot of folks who feel called to different places. Honestly, I felt called to different places. I mean, I have wanderlust. I think it's hereditary. It's just something in my DNA. But the bottom line for this is wherever you are, you're called there. And usually you live in a city, small or large. And when it is flourishing, you will flourish because God wants the flourishing of the city. In every... Every day of life, but in every season of life, one, there's a situation. Situation for them then, they were in a city, a big city, okay? Probably population size, maybe around Jackson now then. So metropolitan area then. Their situation, they were in a big city and they were exiles. They were not home. And if we're Christian, if we call ourselves Christians, if we believe ourselves Christians, then we too whether you realize it or not, are exiles. Because our true home is with the Lord. And yet God is leaving us here. You know, I love how Paul says, you know, if it's my preference, I'd rather just be with the Lord. But he has work for me to do. And I always say that, if you're still here and you're a Christian, then God has work for you to do. He has plans. So there's a situation, and our situation as Christians is that we're exiles. It's our situation. But in every situation, if you're a Christian, God gives instruction so whatever your situation may be, God is, God is willing to give you instruction. As I said earlier, I don't want you to just listen to them. I need you to listen to the Lord right now. God is giving instruction as he did to them for the well-being. Are you listening to the Lord? Are you receiving his instruction? Do you, are you carving out time to hear his instruction in your situation? And if you're a Christian, then as exiles, what can you do to serve this city? How can you partner? How can you use your gifts that God's given you? Not everybody's called to be a pastor or a missionary, or some are, definitely. But we need people in the world for the well-being of the city. And then also there's a declaration. You know, the word declaration in my translation is used, I believe, three times. This is the Lord's declaration. This is the Lord's declaration. This is the Lord's declaration. In your situation, God is going to give instruction and you need to remember his declaration, which is, we do go back to the verse that we love, 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, not for disaster, for a future and hope. This is the Lord's declaration. So you can know, again, I say this over and over again, that wherever you are, even if it's where you don't want to be, there are no accidents in Christianity. And that God is going to give you instruction And this helps, Well, we also say seeing a big God, that he knows the plans, and they are for your well-being individually. And if you know that and believe that, then, then you're much more willing, I think, to be, a word I love, vested and invested in the flourishing of the city and like bought in to where you are. And you do go to your neighbors. And so the world begins there with that neighbor. And that street and that neighborhood and this area and this city. Your situation. God's going to give instruction for it. And if you're like, well, I don't know what it is, well then just read again, practically speaking, twenty nine, four, and fourteen. You're like, I don't know what it is. Well, build a house. I don't know. Maybe you're like I don't like me, I'm like, I don't know how to build houses. Well, have a family. You're like, Well, I don't know if that's God's call for me right now. Well then pursue the well being of the city. Because there's a declaration. God has you here. God has you here in this church. God has you in this seat today for a reason. And it does go back for your well-being, a future, and a hope. To hear his word, to be part of his community, to see a big God more and more. second question I asked was, how does the church grow? How does the church grow? Uh, This church, the church, big church, you know, like big C Church. How does the kingdom grow? How does it expand? Uh, We would would always say, we should say, that people are converted to Christ. New Christians are made. Yes. I want you to look at, and you don't have to flip to it, it's it's actually got a lot of names, but I'm going to read some of them. Romans 16. Romans 16. This is not preached uh, a lot, these these last chapters in Paul's letters, because he normally just lists a lot of people who he's friends with and says, Say hey to him, her, give them my love, all that good stuff. But, you know, they're included in God's word. It's interesting. They're included in the word of God. So we can definitely uh, take much from it. And I think it really ties in to that question, how does the church grow? So Romans 16, I'm going to read quickly verse 3 through 16. This is Paul writing to the church in Rome, a city, the largest city, Uh, at that time, uh, as the Bible uh, was being put together. And Paul says, Give my greetings to Prissa, which was Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life. Not only do I thank them, but so do all the Gentile churches. Greet also the church that meets in their home. Greet my dear friend Eponidas, who is the first convert to Christ from Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews and fellow prisoners. They are noteworthy in the eyes of the apostles. And they were also in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, my dear friend Stockis. Greet Appels, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the household of I'm getting through this. Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet those who belong to the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet Trephina, Tryphosa, who have worked hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, also his mother and mine. Greet, and this is Asnicritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermas, and the brothers and sisters who are with them. Greet Philologus and Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with him. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send you greetings. Good deal. Now, you may ask, you know, why are you reading this? Because you, you definitely probably didn't get any right. And, um, you know, I, I mean, you don't, don't want to make a mockery out of Scripture. That's not, but, you know, just in reading it, you want to get the names right and everything. So there's a lot of, like, names. And it's important to remember these names were people people, real people, Paul's friends. So my point is tied to the question, how does the church grow? How does any church grow? How does the church grow? How does the kingdom grow? Uh, I, am, I love and fascinated and use uh, studies of, of the early church. So this would be the early church. It's in like the first century, even into the second century, because there was explosive church growth, not just of like individual churches, but kingdom expansion all across the Mediterranean region. So I'm fascinated at that time period. One, because I like history, but also like what was going on. Yes, spirit led. That's why I love Acts so much. But a lot of, and I've read this, some, some sociological, I don't think I got that word right, sociological studies of this time, because there are a lot of Christians who are sociologists who study this time period, and if you're interested in this, I would refer you to the work, and it's easy reading. Okay, a guy named Rodney Stark. He's at SMU, and he studies how the church. He's a Christian, you know, the conversions, the growth, and I picked up a lot of this from this week's um, for this week's message. He actually focused a lot on cities and city ministry. Uh, he, one book that I looked at was Cities of God, but here's the, how the church uh, grew. They found out, you know, initially think, well, people were converted and converted and converted. Yes, conversion. But not initially by, like, belief and doctrine. It wasn't like, well, you believe this, that Jesus is the Son of God, and he rose again, and he's coming back, and oh, I immediately believe that, and conversions happened. Those are doctrines. You know, the Apostle Creed is doctrines combined, so it didn't grow initially just because of the doctrine of what people believe. Like, well, How did it grow? It grew because people who had relationships with others started with their relationships and friendships and co-workers and partnered and loved people. And you see an example of this here. Think about Paul. He wrote so much of what he believed and the faith and the doctrine. And here you see evidence of his ministry. People. Over and over again, brothers, sisters, friends, coworkers. I mean, look at his, whether you call it, you know, Rolodex or contact list. or And this is in all his letters. He was so intentional about making and building and growing relationships, not just have friends, but for the furthering of the kingdom of God. And what these sociologists have found out, is that it grew so much, is that they were so intentional to build relationships and make relationships, and then the conversions happen because, oh yeah, my best friend believes this way, and I love him. There's something different about him. Or my mom or my dad believes this way. It starts, and the gospel always starts this, it starts in love with relationships. That's why I say we're called to neighbors and nations. Who is your neighbor? Same thing was asked to Jesus. And Jesus answered a very different person that you would not normally associate yourself with. When he responded, the Samaritan. So that's, you know, how does the church grow? Any church, the church? It starts in relationships. And then, as you've built relationships, this is why we stress small groups so much. Other ways to, to engage, interact, and it doesn't have, you know, there's no formula, there's really no silver bullet. Just be together as Christians. Invite other people. Come to church, engage with one another. Invite other people. What does your Rolodex or your contact list look like? Is it full of Christians? Then, then maybe it should be added to. It was after the relationships were formed, uh, these studies found, that then there was intentional time to talk through doctrines of belief. We actually do this here. The church has always done this. Paul, he didn't just go to a city and stay a month there and start a church and leave. Usually every church he started, he was there Minimum, probably about 18 months. He built relationships first, and he slowly taught them the gospel. That takes time. And then a third way, and this is just uh, you know, talking about what we, can, what we can also do. Society could not match the church in this period for their benevolence. Another reason the church grew so much is that the Christians were so kind and so willing to give their very life. Uh, Historical fact, plagues infested the Mediterranean area as the church was growing. And so sickness would spread, and the town would flock to the country, and the churches stayed. (laughs) To their detriment and to their death. One of the greatest reasons that the church grew is that their kindness, their benevolence, was unmatched in the city. And that's, that's not just an opinion. That's not even biblical. That's studies by historians, sociologists. Check it out if you're interested. So, how does the church grow? Relationships, intentional teaching and mentoring, and yeah, acts of kindness. So where where do we, where do we measure up on, on that scale as, as this church, as this body, Bellwether Community Church? And then last... What can we do now? Uh, I want to share a passage. Same church that Paul wrote to in Rome, but this is from Peter. And he gives some practical instructions. What can we do now? Look what the Bible says. So what the Lord says, what the Spirit says through Peter to the church in Rome, to this church. What can we do now? Uh, These were exiles too. They were persecuted too. I don't want to get graphic. I'm not going to get graphic. But some very, very bad things physically happened to these people in this church. And what does Peter tell them to do in the city of Rome for its flourishing and for the kingdom? What does Peter tell them to do? He says, dear friends, I urge you as strangers. This is chapter 2, verse 11. Dear friends, Peter says, I urge you as strangers and exiles. Same word Jeremiah used hundreds of years before. Abstain from sinful desires that wage war against the soul. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles. So that when they slander you as evildoers, they will observe your good works and will give glory to God on the day he visits. Submit to every human authority because of the Lord, whether to the emperor or the supreme authority, or to governors as those sent out by him to punish those who do what is evil and to praise those who do what is good. For it is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. Submit as free people. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but as God's slaves. Honor everyone. Love the brothers and sisters. Fear God. Honor the emperor. This always, frankly, baffles me and inspires me whenever I read this passage. And I've, I've read it many times that as the emperor was killing Christians in, in fairly brutal ways, Peter writes to them and says, Honor the emperor. Kind of says it over again. Submit to every human authority. Silence the ignorance of the foolish people by doing good. I read this. I mean, one thing we can do, I really believe this. I think Christians should be like the, the best citizens of any community, any city, any country. Uh, by their kindness, by their acts of mercy, how they treat one another in the church, uh, how they treat their neighbors that don't go to church. Uh, I really believe and strive for. I want people to say, of this church, of Bellwether Community Church, I want them to say, you know, I don't believe everything they say. I don't know if I'd ever go there. But God help us if that community ever left this city. I'm not saying we're there yet. I'm saying that's my heart's desire for this community, with or without me. I say, God help us if they ever left this city. I want people to say that. I want you to think about... Here's a, you know, like, where do we start? Think about if God removed us from this corner, like, and we've said this before for years and years, if God just plucked Bellwether Church up, would, would this corner, with this street, with this neighborhood, with this city, would this world be any different? If God just plucked us up. Well, I know it would be different, but I want it to be more different. I want our impact uh, to be furthered by relationships to, yes, our neighbors. in schools, public and private uh, in the community at, at clubs, social clubs rotary clubs, civic clubs to people family friends and enemies we talked about that last week to be different we talked about this two weeks ago one of my prayers to this church is a revival what happens in the revival, people see a community they're separate, they're different and that can happen I mean I just showed you three examples in two different places where they were persecuted, they were mocked, they were definitely on the outs. And all you see is God commanding them, either through his voice or the voice of others, for generosity uh, and love. Why? Not just to be nice or have friends. Peter says it so they will ultimately see the glory of God manifested. They will have to say, that is just not, yes, it's not human, it's supernatural. I love that word. It doesn't just come naturally from us. It is not reasonable. As I said last week, there is nothing reasonable in the Bible. It's kind of all radical. Beginning with the radical, supernatural change of a heart, of one life that impacts another life, that impacts multiple lives, that impacts a city and the world. So what do we do in praying for the city? As I said this two weeks ago, we can pray for ourselves and how we treat our neighbors. We can pray for the supernatural manifestation of the Holy Spirit to come either anew, again, or for the first time on our own heart to see that Jesus, how much he loves us, that we were God's enemies, that we deserve death and hell. And Jesus has, whether we say paid it all, paid the cost, paid the penalty, stepped in the gap, become flesh as God for you, loved you so much. God so loved the world and he so loves the enemies and he so loves the people who will not fix the potholes and he so loves the peoples who load the guns and he so loves the people who make that as an excuse. He so loves them all. And he, and he tells us, well, you got to start somewhere. So I call on us uh, to gather continually together. I call on you and me too, but more you To scatter and use your gifts for His kingdom for the flourishing. Quick little story. Take maybe a minute and a half. I've used this. I've said this story before. One of the biggest things that impacted me as a pastor and a Christian was visiting New York City at a church for a class, and they had four people, kind of like we did, giving their testimony. One, you know, we wish we had this gift. He was a billionaire stock trader. Okay. Who did uh, get convicted and spent some time in jail too? Okay, but he's still a billionaire, right? So two uh, well-trained theater uh, actor, uh, worker, young girl worked at the UN and a designer, fashion designer, and they all shared how they loved what they did, and not only was it was a cool job, but because the the billionaire said, you know, God's give. I mean, I can I can see patterns, and it just it comes easy uh, investing and making money. And now I'm using it for the kingdom. The theater person, he's trying to put together C.S. Lewis works on stage, on Broadway. Uh, He did a lot of readings for the Bible on audio. The UN worker, because she's a Christian, she wants to bring peace. I'm not talking about your opinion of the UN or not, but she sees that as her call. The designer said, God's given me the gift of colors and fabric and putting it together. And all of them were using their gifts outside the church. They were scattering, cultivating the fruit for the kingdom. You all can do the same in everything that you do. So we gather, we scatter, and we partner, as you saw this today. And that does further the kingdom. And that is what our Lord is about, coming together to gather as a community, scattering out for his kingdom, partnering together. The last thing, Revelation 21, I'm not going to read it to you. Revelation 21, the end of the Bible is in a city, the New Jerusalem. I always say this, if you don't like cities... You're not going to like the new heavens and the new earth because it's in a city. And it says the kings of the earth are bringing their glory into it. Uh, that is our future home. Why do I say that? Because we're moving forward. That is, that is the end. That is the last chapter of C.S. Lewis called The Last Battle. That is, that is the new beginning. But we can move towards that in our cities today. What are you going to do about it with your life, with the gifts God's give with your time with your neighbor. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, let us see, see this city anew, see our call anew, because everybody's called. Let them see their gifts anew, and let them see Jesus anew. That his love for us and them is so much, is so great that they become no longer of them. And I pray that in Jesus' name, amen.